0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is fellow Tinkerer's Cube aficionado, Ethan
1: Sachs himself. Ethan! How has the tinkering been going for you? I just haven't been tinkering enough. That's the only thing. It came out on Friday. Um, It was my wife's birthday yesterday, and so we had a full weekend. You know, I was editing the crash course. There's just a lot of stuff happening, and I've only gotten maybe half a dozen drafts under my belt, and that is woefully under par for me in terms of where I'd like to be at, because this cube is awesome.
0: This cube is so good. It's really honestly pretty inconsiderate of wizards to put this cube out while we're prepping for Streets of New Capenna.
1: I don't like it. I don't like it. At least they're giving us the buffer of it doesn't come out online for another week. So we have you know, we have a full two weeks to play with this cube.
0: This cube is so, so good. It is the most pure fun I've had playing magic. I would play this cube off stream. And for me, that is saying a lot at this point, because like, it's
1: very rare that I would play magic off stream. Yeah, I don't. That's that's not quite the bar for me. But I was saying today, you know, we recorded our showdown video for Channel Fireballs. We do two of those every month for their uh, their YouTube channel. And this is, I think, the only cube where I literally feel joy. Like even if I'm losing, I feel joy when my opponent does something sweet because I'm just like, oh, that's something cool that I want to look out for next time, you know?
0: Right. Because when you lose, your opponent had to do work to make you lose. There are very few cards, individual cards yes. that you just lose to. So if you're losing to something sweet, your opponent
1: saw it and assembled it and put it together and did the thing. And that is a reason for celebration. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just like the this cube design. I don't remember it being this way, right? The first time the Tinker's Cube came out, I think we were all sort of like, eh, this is like a cool idea, but didn't quite get there. Like It just feels like it, it's a lower powered version of the Arena Cube in general, but it's not really working, right? They sort of sold it as a synergy cube, but it didn't really do it. And then they brought it back and retooled it like quite a bit. Um, And I remember the big, you know, the big change was here's a lot of like learn lesson stuff. They threw in the four copies of environmental sciences and they really knocked it out of the park. I remember loving it last time and all the additions this time around with like blood and the stuff from Vow and certainly all the sagas and things from Neon Dynasty. It's just, it's just great. Like they, they really seem to have found the sweet spot and it really, Appeals to me as a low flat powered cube with tons of synergy. Yeah, I
0: think they absolutely crush it. I think this third iteration is even better than the second iteration because I think there were some cards that kind of fell flat or some themes that fell Mm -hmm. flat last time. And those themes, I think, have gotten buffed up this time and new themes included that all just feel really doable. There's a lot of sweet things to do in the cube.
1: Totally agree. So this is, <laughs> hopefully you are also a fan of the Tinkerer's Cube, or perhaps you're curious about the Tinker's Cube, because I would strap in for about an hour of just a pure love letter to the Tinker's Cube <laughs> that we're about to uh, dish out to your ears here. So we're going to look, look at some big picture stuff, talk about the archetypes, just talk about our experiences so far, maybe take a look at some pack one pick ones, and I think talk about the the best new deck for this cube that has really gotten pumped up in this iteration. Ooh, love that teaser. Um, so let's dive in here. What's, what's going on big picture wise. So Tinker's cube
0: is 540 cards and there are themes for each color pair that are billed two themes per color pair. I think some of them are awesome. Some of them are a little more suspect than others, but I think (laughs) the more important thing to note is just to know what the color pairs kind of can do so that you can be on the lookout for overlap because there's, yes, you can go into the cube and, you know, draft blue red spells, but you can also play blue red spells with some black spells with some other stuff from another color and mesh all of these themes together. So I think we're just going to run down wizards billing for
1: each of the color pairs. So what do we have going on in white blue? So white-blue, as expected, first bullet point is blinking creatures with ETB effects. So there's lots of, you know, lots of enter the battlefield effects in in all the colors, but I think in white-blue specifically, and then lots of ways to blink them, whether that's repeatable ways like a soul herder, a one-off way like an ephemerate or restoration angel, that sort of thing. And then the secondary tier here, which I haven't done, but I'm intrigued by, is graveyard casting. So there's flashback, there's disturb, and even cards with jumpstart. And my guess is that second tier would be something that then you you'd probably want to dip into green or black or maybe some sort of you know maybe your your green black with white or blue mixed in there for the flashback and disturb so you get some self mill themes mixed in there right like so for example ominous roost is included and last time around i think that was
0: in there but it wasn't really supported that well and it's a lot Mm -hmm. more supported this time i haven't done it yet but i've seen all the pieces floating around so if you want to cast some cards out of your graveyard and make some one one birds That's up your alley. And then, for example, the blinking creatures in blue, white, like there's so many good green creatures with ETB effects, too. So that tends to blur into a lot of green stuff, the the blinking things as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one thing that I, one card that I've noticed that I kept trying to figure out, and then just in this lat because I didn't actually read this article before drafting, because I was like, ah, I've done the Tinker's Cube before, I'll figure it out. And that, that, that has served me well so far. So Vega the Watcher is in the cube. That's the one white blue, 2-2 two, two from Kaldheim that says, whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. And I was like, I saw that running around, and it's the alchemy version, so it even has Ward 2 now. And I was like, what is this doing here? Like, there's not that much foretell. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, there's flashback, there's disturb. So that and that card just goes super late. I think I saw that like 15th pick whatever in one of my packs in the last draft that I did. But now I'm like, Oh, I want to try this out. That looks super sweet.
0: Yeah. So blue-black is next up, discarding. So cards that want to be discarded or cause you to discard maybe for a benefit or you spinning having to discard something into a benefit for yourself. So something as simple as containment construct is in the cube from Neon Dynasty, the 2-1 that when you discard a card, you can exile it and then play that card that turn. Great way to, you know, maybe you pitch a land, play it off your containment construct, get some engines going that way. And we're going to do a much deeper dive on discarding a little bit later.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other sort of sub-bullet point, which I I would put this under your uh, description of suspect uh, (laughs) uh, archetype descriptions, is this on-hit effects. So ninjas and their near or distant relations who can't wait to get a clean shot at your opponent, as the article describes it. That- I see less of. So I know that Cridal of Baldur's Gate is in the cube. So that's the blue-black uncommon from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realm that uh, says whenever it deals combat damage to a player, that player loses a life, mills a card, and then you gain a life and scry one. And you can also, uh, whenever you attack, pay two. And if you do, target creature can't be blocked this turn. But the rest of the uncommons in blue-black are really all about this sort of like draw-discard life. Um, And sure, there are some ninjas in the cube, But I would say that that is a much less uh, appealing and much less supported thing that Blue Black does. Yes, it's much more minor. There's
0: things like Ninja, The Deep Hours or Prosperous Thief. But I think that is one that I would not recommend going after super hard.
1: So next up is Black Red, and this is Blood and Treasures, and it's really also like an Artifact Matters and Sacrifice Synergies. But unlike, you know, I think Red Black Sacrifice is very much an archetype that is near and dear to my heart in any version of a cube, and it's less powered up than normal, right? Usually you see like Judith or you see uh, a mayhem devil, those kinds of cards, Priest of the Forgotten Gods, those sort of, you know, things that we think about for the arena cube that are the keystones for the red-black sacrifice decks. You're getting less powered up versions of those cards, right? You're seeing Havoc Jester as the five-mana five-five that has the same ability. Like whenever you sacrifice a thing, you deal a damage to something, but you're not really getting those incredibly like, you know, low to the ground, cheap. Versions of this, which I like. And then you get a lot of, you know, you're getting the blood tokens from Vow, obviously getting lots of treasure tokens. Can't wait to see what Streets of New Capenna adds to it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this uh, this style of deck. Yeah, I have found that as well. I've drafted this a couple times and it just felt a little underpowered. I mean, the
0: synergy is definitely there and I don't think I've mm-hmm. gotten an ideal version of the deck yet, but it's different. It's a different twist than it has been certainly in the Arena Cube. And I think even in the Tinkerers Cube in the past, there's much more engine stuff like dragon spark reactors in here from neo yeah. or artifact etbs and then you can dome your opponent potentially there's Oni cult anvil there's mm-hmm. things like marionette master like it's almost more artifact sacrifice than creature sacrifice but yes, both, yes. both of them are going on and you have to make sure that you have a clear path to assembling your engine and victory because if you don't you are playing a lot of underpowered engine cards to com- compare to some of the other cards in the cube Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, that takes us on to red green, which is power matters. And as a sub bullet, modified creatures, again, maybe like plus and plus one counters. There's definitely a plus one plus one counters theme running around in the cube. Something like hardened scales is in the cube where you can double uh, or put an additional. Is it double or put an additional plus one plus one counter for hardened scales?
1: Yeah, hardened scales is just an additional counter. So there's like a plus one plus one counter theme here. And then that also bleeds out to, we'll, we'll see, in, in green blue as well. And then in
0: red green, this power matters thing is pretty straightforward. I mean, there's like the enchantments you would expect that wants you to have a creature power four or greater, like Sarkin's Unsealing or Garrick's Uprising. And while it's not the most difficult thing to draft, it is effective. Like I just got absolutely slammed by my opponent <laughs> playing red green power matters. Like they curved out with a mana dork into a four power thing, into an enchantment and just like beat my face. in. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you did the thing.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, um, there's modified, right? From the the neon dynasty set you know you've got goro goro there's other payoffs for that and then you're seeing a lot of you know i mean neon dynasty really added a bunch but you're getting like you know the art the equipment that are also creatures so they can help with modify but then they also help with you know we'll see that red white has a an equipment auras theme mattering and there's just a lot of bleed happening here for sure. Next up is Green White. I know one of your favorite archetypes in the cube. So there's Enchantments Matter, again, getting a huge boost from Neon Dynasty. And specifically, and this is so funny, because I I talked about it in the last episode, I'd like been messing around with designing a Jun cube. And I was like, oh, now that there's like all the cycles of shrines, right, all three cycles of shrines are available on Arena, I could do those shrines and do like an Enchantress thing as well. Well, Tinker's Cube beat me to the punch. <laughs> all 15 shrines are available in the cube. So there's the cycle of shrines from Neon Dynasty, the Goshintais. then there's the Sanctums, the cycle of shrines from M21, and then there's all the way back from OG Kamagawa that's been brought back to arena via one of the, I guess, the alchemy sets, uh, the the Hondans. So you've got all five shrines from all three of those sets. So 15 total, plus your boy, Ben. Shrine Steward which has just never looked better. It finds all those shrines. It finds all the auras. And, and most of, a lot of the removal that you can get in the format is in the form of auras, right? Like Iroh's Blessing or obviously Twisted Embrace or Warbriar's Blessing. So you, you get a lot of goodies in, that, in this format with Shrine Steward.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of sweet enchantments matter payoffs. There's also a legendary theme seeded into green-white. And again, I have heard tales from some people in Twitch chat that the legendary theme is real. I have not done it myself yet. I've seen the cards seated that care about legendaries but i think again that is much
1: like the uh ninjas theme and blue black a little bit of a lighter touch to green white i mean the the one card i'm seeing here in the list that makes me think of that is captain Sisse, which is two green white for a two two legendary creature and it has the ability to tap search your library for a legendary card reveal that card and put it into your hand then shuffle but like that's so it feels like you got to get that and then really go hard after some legendaries
0: well, there's also like Kamal's Druidic Vow or whatever it's called. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So there, I mean, the pieces are definitely there, but I think again,
0: that is a lighter theme than some of these other ones. There's less bleed, I guess, between other color pairs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right, moving on to white black. We've got the classic Life Gain Matters. And which of the moors, the four four payoff oh for my that God. with Death Touch. Whenever you gain life, your opponent sacrifices a creature. You return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Card is a house, so that's there. It doesn't go. It's not that powerful. It goes to oh, your yeah. hand. Goes to your hand. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, wow. <laughs> There's also from Neon Dynasty, sort of the balance of artifacts and enchantments theme seeded into white black. So something as simple as kami of Terrible Secrets is in the cube, like the three four that when at ETBs. You gain a life draw card if you control an artifact and enchantment all the way to something as busted as nettle cyst which is a three mana equipment living weapon has power and toughness equal to or the, the equipped creature gets plus one plus
1: one for each artifact and enchantment you control so very powerful there yeah and that again bleeds over to all the like token makers that you can get from black and red so there's there's blood tokens there's food there's clues there's treasure all the tokens uh, next up we've got black green which has a self mill and graveyard matters there's a lot of self mill here so you know you've got sir conrad um, as a five mana five four that has the ability to pay one and a black and put uh, a card from each player's library into their graveyard there's Dreadhound etbs and mills three green obviously adding stuff in the mix there with like binding of the old gods is that what it's called or binding of the titans What's binding of the called? titans binding of the titans right the saga that that mills three on etb and then exile something and then. Turn something. So, a lot of really sweet synergy there.
0: Yeah. And there's also Death Touch matters. And again, this is much like Legendary or Ninjas, a lighter touch. There are payoffs. I mean, Finn is in here. You can do mm-hmm. the thing with Death Touch. And there's a lot of cute things to do with Death Touch as far as giving them two red creatures to ping with Death Touch or things like that. So, that's definitely here. But again, like Black Green, we normally make fun of in limited sets. Like, well, oh, it's <laughs> Graveyard Matters. But Like, it's the real deal in this cube. There is stuff to mill yourself and
1: recur things and do a lot of sweet stuff with the graveyard. Yeah, you've got escape cards like Farika Spawn. You can self-mill and then get Ramunap Excavator to replay lands. Like, it's definitely there. And and it feels like this is an archetype that in the past, in iterations of this cube, I felt like, uh, eh, this didn't really get there. This feels a little more cute than good. I think it's just good now. Well,
0: and fuels back into that blue-white theme of casting things from your graveyard, mm-hmm. too, if you start mm-hmm. to dip into other colors as well. Yeah. yeah. Haven't gotten
1: to do it yet, but I really want to try the green-blue tokens matter thing. Oh, certainly you did it in the last iteration, right? For sure, for sure. I mean, Junkwinder is one of the best payoffs. I don't get it. Why is Fae Offering not on Arena yet? It's too busted. It's too busted? Okay. All it right. would be oh, illegal. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So Junkwinder is great. You get a bunch of uh, Token Matter stuff, all the artifact tokens as we talked about. And I keep wanting to do this. I've 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 been a little gun shy to pack one, pick one it. But there's a card that that leads me towards this second version or this like maybe secondary uh, uh, archetype, which is Inexorable Tides. So this is three blue blue for an enchantment. It says whenever you cast a spell, proliferate. And this is. The like secondary theme of green blue, which is proliferating counters and blue has a lot of ways to do this, but inexorable tide seems to be like the most, you know, whatever repeatable way to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there are, I think more ways, more good ways to get counters on creatures that either intrinsically start with counters or get counters added to them in a beneficial way where you don't have to go out of your way so much to get plus one, plus one counters. hmm And that takes us on to Blue Red, which is the classic Spells Matter. But another new twist on Blue Red or a a twist that's more supported is card draw rewards. Whenever you draw your second card per turn, like do X, there's a lot of sweet stuff. And I do think the Spells Matter version of Blue Red pretty much wants to be streamlined Blue Red. But there's a lot of bleed with the card draw rewards.
1: Yeah. And those are mostly all, and we'll talk about this when we get to the cycling discard draw to deck later on. Um, But these are all really like uh, cherry picked from Throne of Eldraine. It's a lot of the payoffs that we saw because that was what Blue Red was doing in that format
0: for sure.
1: Last up, we've got Red White, which is Equipment Matters. I haven't gotten to do this yet, but I keep seeing uh, what do we get? Nahiri, Heir of the Ancients, is the Planeswalker that cares about that. I don't understand why my boy Cole is not in this cube yet, but uh, <laughs> looking forward to that. There is Brunor Battlehammer as well as another Equipment Payoff. But So there's there's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by the deck, especially all of the, uh, the equipment creatures like Lizard Blades or whatever from uh, the, the current format from neon dynasty feel really good here there's an equipment aura payoff in sram senior edificer which is one and a white for the two two legendary creature whenever you cast an aura equipment or vehicle spell draw card and the sweet thing about this is that because like lizard blades for example is an equipment creature it will trigger this even though it's a creature you're casting so that makes Sram a little better and i think makes this archetype a little better too
0: There's also a secondary theme in red white that I think is actually even more powerful, which is creature tokens and going wide, fueled by things like heroic reinforcements, where you just are vomiting some tokens on the board, turning your creatures sideways, and getting your opponent dead. I think that's one of the more aggressive archetypes. And I think seated in that, there's even more of a mono red goblins token deck that I've seen floating around,
1: but I haven't quite gotten to play it yet. Yeah. My God, I will not be drafting a mono-red goblin stuff. There's way too much (laughs) sweet stuff to be doing in this cube to be drafting
0: mono-red. Well, I mean, whatever your jam is, that's what you should do in the Tinker's Cube, though. That's why it's so sweet. There's
1: just so many different things to do. That's true. That's true. Uh, Just like last time, um, and we sort of already touched on a lot of these, but there is a myriad of all-star limited mechanics featured in this cube. The big support for Learn Lesson is still here, breaking the singleton rule of cube with four copies of environmental sciences total and especially when drafting best of one i just love a learn lesson package and you i mean you and i when we just faced off uh in our showdown video each of us really like separate from each other but each of us uh really prioritized learn spells and lessons
0: yeah i think a takeaway for this cube if you're new to it or wanting to dip your toe in you're playing games of limited magic and they're like More powerful than a normal game of limited magic, but I think less powerful on average than most games of cube, like just getting advantages from learn lesson adds up and I think is going to lead to you winning more games than not. I agree. There's also Cycling, which has been a huge addition. I think pushing Cycling cards and the discard theme, which has been very refreshing. That's cool that that's more supported this time around.
1: There is a Venture boost, and really we're seeing that fleshed out, especially with you know the Alchemy version of cards, like Precipitous Drop being a mana cheaper. But you're seeing like Nadar, Varys, Yuan-Ti, Malassan, all the stuff you saw from Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, even like Dungeon Map is in the cube. So there's quite a, a few ways to venture and repeatably venture at that.
0: We've got Investigate cards again, lots of clue tokens running around some cards from mh2 like wave sifter that's the three two that when it etbs and investigates twice to give you two clue tokens so there's a ton of support there and just a ton of support for tokens in general whether it be treasure or clue or blood or whatever
1: and then lastly we're seeing a handful of modal double-faced cards as well loving the new addition of sagas from uh neon dynasty those creature sagas are just gas in this uh in this format
0: yeah, which is super sweet. So the the three new headlining things are the shrines. I think that's a big new thing, the 15 shrines being in there. Blood tokens are awesome and really help fuel the discard stuff that's going on in the cube, and then those new sagas from Neo, which is really, really sweet. So those are like the things I think that have powered up maybe some under-supported archetypes more than anything else.
1: So how have you been approaching the cube this time around? I mean, I know it's only been out for a few days, but what's going on with your draft so far? I just went in with the same mentality I had last time, which was if I see something
0: that looks like it says, hey, you want to do this thing, and I feel like doing that thing, I do that thing. I mean, I think That specifically, but even more so the last couple drafts when I've started to feel even more comfortable rather than saying like, "Okay, I got this junk winder. I'm going to draft tokens. I've been just more trying as I go along to piece together cards that work well with each other. Like I've got my pack one, pick one. I try to get my pack one, pick two to work well with my pack one, pick one. And then try to get my pack one pick three to work well with both of those cards. That even more so rather than thinking like from the start, I'm drafting this macro archetype has been more fun for me. But I certainly think there is room to just like say, OK, I want to draft blue red spells or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think the, the times where I've gotten into trouble in my drafts or felt like, I don't know, am I am I waffling too much is when like, you know, pack one pick one. I'm like, oh, that's a cool build around that I want to build my deck around. Cool. I'll take that. And then pack two, I see another sweet build round that doesn't go with my first one. And I'm like, well, let me stay open and I'll take this. I would advise against that. I think you kind of want to pick what you're doing. Like... Sure, there are going to be times where you're not seeing those like, you know, big payoffs, like you don't see a Marionette Master or the Archfiend of Ifnir or whatever early, then that's where you want to take the glue cards a lot of the time. And we'll talk about what we mean by that in a second. But when you are seeing those sort of like archetype keystone cards, then I think you just want to stick to that because you're going to be able to support it because this cube is so well designed. Like unless those colors are really cut to shreds for you, you'll be able to support those those really good payoffs. And I think you get into trouble if you're just sort of like, let me try this and this and this and see what's open and you can spread yourself a little too thin.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think worth knowing going in that unlike Arena Cube, there aren't rawly powerful cards like Embercleave or Great Hinge or Sublime Epiphany. There are a list of about like 10 or 15 cards that are a little egregious. But I mean, the cube's going to have to have some best cards and we'll let you know what those best cards are. But other than that, you just want to draft for Synergy. And really try to make sure your deck is doing a thing. You know, the old limited adage of draft decks, not cards. If you want to learn how to do that, I mean, Tinkerer's Cube will teach you how to draft a deck because if you don't draft a deck, you're just never going to win ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, your opponents are just going to be playing a totally different game than you because the best drafted decks in this cube are going to be like well-oiled synergy machines. Well, and not even well oiled necessarily. Like sometimes
0: they're (laughs) janky synergy machines that that need a little oil and maybe they're a little rusted up and they're trying to get going, but they're at least still
1: trying to do... thing you know yeah my uh my like one trophy in this cube so far my 172 is just like a four color soupy soupy pile it's like white green based and doing some saga stuff doing some enchantress stuff but just like then also playing all right i'm just gonna play fable the mirror breaker because that's busto and just trying to make the mana work and got got the trophy so can't complain for
0: sure and i think you know if you're sitting down to your draft your pack one pick one you should either be looking for you know, an archetype defining card that's going to tell you, hey, draft this thing, or you want to try to find those glue cards that we talked about that fit in the intersection of multiple archetypes. And again, we'll go a little deeper
1: on those. Uh, Just a reminder that treasure is insanely good in this cube. Not only does it have synergy in red, black, and tokens, as we talked about, but it's also just great for ramping and splashing. A lot of the times in cube there's sort of this inflection point at four mana or more. And if you, you know, one of our glue cards is Prosperous Innkeeper, one of the reasons it's so good is you get to your four drops a turn sooner than your opponents.
0: Well, and I don't even think it's limited to treasure, right? Anything that makes treasure, blood, food, or clues, like any of the artifacts tokens is just going to have so much natural synergy in the cube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think aggro decks can be good. There's certainly the red, white, go wide tokens deck, but there's also a lot of incidental life gain floating around. So I don't necessarily know that you want to default to aggro as your strategy. Certainly if there's, that's your jam, don't let us stop you. But I think there's much more room to explore creative engine synergy things than there is just straight up turn your creature sideways and try to get the opponent dead
1: agreed and the last thing we want to talk about here is that artifacts and enchantments are very powerful so main decking naturalize effects is good i know you've been a huge fan of rambunctious mutt so far that's the five mana three four etbs blows up an artifact or an enchantment um I, i've just liked playing you know a copy of wilt or whatever like you're just gonna see targets for these almost every matchup Or even something
0: as simple as in your learn lesson board, making sure you can go grab the green one. What's the name of that that can blow up an artifact or enchantment? Containment Breach? Yeah, something like that is just awesome. Like that makes your deck significantly better that you have access to that card.
1: Mm -hmm. So we keep throwing around this term glue card. What do we mean by that? And what are some examples in this cube? So
0: a glue card would be a card that is at the intersection of multiple different themes. So maybe it's at the intersection of life gain and tokens or blink and life gain or whatever, or even better, multiple, like three, four or five archetypes. I mean, some of these cards hit on so many
1: themes in the cube. So first up, we've got Reaper's Talisman here. What is that card? So that's black for an equipment. It has an equip cost of two. And it says whenever equipped creature attacks, it gains death touch until end of turn. And when it attacks alone, defending player loses two life and you gain two life so there's some sweet stuff happening here obviously life gain sure there it's it's got types right it's an artifact so it's gonna be there for if you care about artifacts plus enchantments or just artifacts there's death touch synergies in red black right if you put this on a havoc jester for example then you give it death touch and you can then sacrifice your treasures and now all the pings from havoc jester are death touch and you sort of build your own machine gun
0: or even something as simple as maybe you try to do black green death touch with Finn and you're, you know, sending an army of death touch creatures at your opponent while Finn threatens their life total. Yeah, for sure. sure. Next up, we've got prosperous innkeeper. This is near and dear to both of our hearts because of how many different themes it touches on. So this is one and a green for the one one. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And when prosperous innkeeper enters the battlefield, it makes a treasure token. So this is at the intersection of good to blink. Great for life gain synergies you care about treasure. Maybe you care about artifact tokens. It touches on so many different themes in the cube. I think another thing that a lot of these glue cards have in common is they're really low CMC, right? Yeah. Like you have to get on board early in this cube. Like we don't want to sell it wrong in that, you know, there's not a lot of aggro, so you can do whatever you want. It's not like the legendary cube or whatever it was on MTGO. Like, you need to be affecting the board early and often, and the best way to do it is with these cheap glue cards that help set up your synergies for your more powerful
1: cards. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think that's really good. I don't think we have a single card on here that's – I mean, most of these are like one or two mana, and then maybe there's like one that's three. I mean, we've got Siege Gang Commander on here, but that's sort of stretching it. I think you really want these to be – super cheap because they're going to support and they're going to be so consistent easy to cast you're going to see them often be able to cast them often and they're going to support your decks themes a lot of the time so next up we've got charming prince that's one
0: and a white for the two. and when etbs you can choose from a couple things you can either scry to gain three life or blink another creature exile it from the battlefield and then return it to the battlefield so that's again at the intersection of life gain enters the battlefield and just does both of those things extremely well and the fact that you have that modality If you pick it early in the draft, you don't know what you're going to use Charming Prince for, but you're going to find a way to use Charming Prince with other good
1: cards in the cube. There's Gilded Goose, which is single green for the O2. When it enters the battlefield, you make a food token and you can tap it, sacrifice a food token to add a mana of any color, or you can pay one on the green, tap it to make a food token. Well, food tokens are great. We keep talking about how good these artifact tokens are. They're just very, very good. The food tokens gain you life, so that's life gain synergy. Also, this helps you splash, which you're definitely going to be interested in doing. I think green is one of the best homes for doing a multicolor shrine deck. Gilded Goose helps enable that. Just does so many things. I think almost
0: every card on this list makes a token or has tokens associated with yeah. it somehow, which yeah, is just Yeah, maybe wild. that's true. The tokens theme is over the top. There's also something as simple as Hard Evidence. Just super clean card, blue sorcery, make an O3 and then investigate. So that's at the intersection again of tokens, spells, card draw from the clue token. Like just does all sorts of things well for blue decks
1: yeah so many token things i mean we got woodland champion on here this was busted last time it's even better now probably one and a green for a two two whenever a token enters the battlefield under your control you put a plus plus one counter on it that on turn two is really scary
0: yeah or something like bone shards for example this i think is a great example of how to start thinking about the cube it's black for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast bone shards you either discard a card or sacrifice a creature and then you destroy a target creature or planeswalker, normally that's a downside, right? Like if you're in a normal limited format or you're trying really hard to figure out how to not make it a downside, all that text on bone shards about discarding a card or sacrificing a creature should be easy upside for your deck. <laughs> and if it's not easy upside... I think you're approaching the cube wrong. And I think it's just literally one of the best removal spells in the format. And you do need like two, three, four ways to interact with your opponent if you're trying your hardest to win, because your opponent's also going to be setting up engine type cards. And if you can disrupt theirs for a single mana, that's really powerful.
1: Uh, I, I like panic picked this in my uh, CFB draft video this week. I was trying to, I think I was, I was going to take something else and then like two seconds left and I panic picked Lunark Veteran instead because I was like, ah, this is just a good glue card. So this is a single white mana for the 1-1. One, one. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And then it has Disturb for one and a white comes back as a 1-1 flyer. Whenever a creature you control dies, you gain a life. It's just so good. It's at the intersection of tokens, intersection of life gain entering from the graveyard, and it's only one mana.
0: Only one mana. Another pet card of mine just recently in the last couple days has been Old Rutstein. Mm -hmm. This is one black green for the one four and whenever it ETBs or at the beginning of your upkeep, you mill a card. And then depending on what you mill, you either get a blood token, a treasure token, or a one one insect token. So it's going to get you tokens first and foremost. It's going to get you artifacts. It's potentially going to get you a discard outlet if you hit that blood token. It's going to ramp you with treasure. There's so many things going on with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I really do wish that maybe will maybe they'll uh, they'll ask me what my opinions are of the cube. I really wish <laughs> that they would <laughs> that they would put in some sort of like never decking loop. Like it's sort of there. Like there's mending of dominaria, but then there's not like a secondary piece for that, like a Gaia's blessing or something. I do sort of wish there was a a nice clean like okay, you've got all this great self mill in green black, but I'm also kind of nervous that I'm gonna deck myself.
0: I think Rito Sentinel not being in this cube seriously was a big miss. I think it would be great, right? It would be very strong. Yes,
1: because not only would it help keep you from decking, it also messes with your opponent. It would just be really cool. Yeah, to like interact with all the like flashback like you can bottom a flashback spell or a disturb spell or whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's too busted. I, <laughs> you think they tested it and it was too busted? <laughs> it was it was busted enough in uh, Neon Dynasty. Did you see? Did you see that screenshot I had of owning my opponent's Shigeki when they They went to get back four things from their graveyard, and I had nine open mana with Rhydo Sentinel, and I was like... Bottom that, bottom that, bottom that. Enjoy your one <laughs> oh, spell you're no. getting back. Yeah.
0: That's so filthy.
1: Um, you got some wombo combos on here. And I know, did you get to experience the second one? I know you drafted it yesterday. I did
0: never get to do it. My opponents Ugh. conceded too fast. So there's a way to take <laughs> infinite turns with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Once you get to the third chapter, you get to make uh, the kiki-jiki on a stick where you pay one, tap, and you can copy something, give it haste. There's also a time stream navigator in the cube which is a one one that you can pay two blue blue, tap it and put it on the bottom of your owner's library to take an extra turn. So if you make a copy of Timestream Navigator, it has haste and then you can pay two blue blue and you can go infinite on turns with Fable of the Mirror Breaker plus Time Stream Navigator.
1: Oh, God, I really need to check that off the bucket list here. Uh, You've also got Ashaya, which I know is a pet card of yours. That's a three green green for the star star creature. It has power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control, and non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. We'll combo that with Anduin version, which destroys all non-land permanence well that was just from that original set right that was from zendikar you could do those two things together or now you've got cataclysmic gear hulk which is a four or five artifact for five mana in white and when etbs each player chooses what like an artifact creature yada yada among permanency yeah. control and then sacrifice the rest but you don't have to sacrifice anything right because they're all lands
0: Right, because all your creatures are land. So basically, if you assemble either of those, you probably win just by alpha striking. So a couple of wombo combos to be on the lookout for there. Nice. And then as far as interaction goes, you know, we've touched on this a little bit. There isn't a ton of premium removal, but a well-timed piece of removal is the difference between winning and losing a game a lot in my experience. And I do think you want interaction and it's not going to be things like that you're expecting. There's not going to be one mana instant speed, kill a thing or whatever. There's no swords to plowshears. So you're going to need to make do with whatever removal you see. And ideally, your removal should have synergies within your deck. You know, maybe you've got an enchantment theme. And so you play touch the spirit realm and it's going to trigger your enchantress cards when it ETBs to exile something. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, or just I mean, something as simple as Igneous Inspiration, the three mana deal three in red that then learns. Like that's really good when you've got a good little lesson board going on. For sure. Yeah. So we talked about that there's not like a ton of raw power cards, right? But in any cube, no matter how flat the power level is, some cards are going to rise to the top. Some will be the cream of the crop here. And there is like a short list, I think, of cards that we would be like, eh, never passing that. Like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, for example, I've seen that pack one, pick one a couple of times so far. And that just feels like this doesn't need anything to be good, right? This is just going to be busted no matter what and is eminently splashable
0: i agree and i think jugan defends the temple right along with it i think those are just literally the two best cards in the cube right now those two sagas from neo
1: i think that's probably true yeah yeah those both have felt great for me and terrible when i see them on the other side of the battlefield
0: and other things there are some good planeswalkers there's the wandering emperor the two white white flash planeswalker Mm -hmm. from neon dynasty that can make samurais exile a tapped creature that's in here mordenkainen is the four blue blue a planeswalker that can draw you extra cards. It also is a discard outlet while drawing you extra cards. It can down tick to make a creature with power and toughness equal to the cards in your hand. Both of those feel pretty game breaking as far as compared to the power level of most of the rest of the
1: cards. Yeah, I agree. And th- there's not a lot of Planeswalkers. Like, I'm pretty sure Red doesn't have any planeswalkers. Um, there are some obviously hybrid ones, but I don't think Red has any. So there's not a lot of planeswalkers. And there's quite a few for more of the Spark, quite a few of the like just downtick ones like Angrath or Jang Yang But I think that some stuff like Wandering Emperor or whatever, there's like an Ajani. Any of those like actual factual planeswalkers, those do feel pretty powered up in this cube.
0: Yeah. Or even something like the Modern Horizons cards, like Timeless Witness, rebuying yes. a card and then being just a primo blink target or something like Seasoned Pyromancer.
1: They're just so effective efficient and so powerful compared to most of the rest of the cards. And there are cards that like, I think you could put on, so a lot of those cards that we just talked about, you don't need to do any work for, right? Other than have mana to cast them. Yes. Then there's cards like Archon of Sun's Grace, which is two white, white for a three, four flying lifelink. And it has constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you make a two, two Pegasus creature with flying and lifelink. That could be put under the umbrella of like, oh, this is like a synergy card or a build around card. And I guess to an extent it is, but it's so not difficult if you're in white to support that, like that theme of enchantments is just so spread throughout white and throughout a lot of the colors, honestly, that, yeah, you kind of have to build towards it, but it's really not hard. And that card is busted.
0: Right. I think in the archetype, that is a must kill or you win the game. Similarly to Archfiend of Ifnir, which last time around didn't have much support, but I think it's just literally one of the best cards and the best build arounds in the cube in this current iteration. That's the three black, black, five, four flyer. And it's got cycling too. Why you would ever want to cycle it, I have no idea. And then whenever you cycle another card or discard a card, your whole opponent's team gets minus
1: one, minus one counters. Yeah, that's busto. I want to say, did you know that Archon of Sun's Grace and anything with constellations So Archon of Sun's Grace, there's like Nessian Wanderer, I guess is it, what it's called. The one on a green one three. Constellation, you look at the top three cards of your library, find a land from among those, put it in your hand, the other on the bottom in a random order constellation triggers twice with the neon dynasty sagas
0: i did not know that that was a very delightful realization i had when i saw your show notes here yeah and did you know that archfiend of ifnir turns on modified for your opponent
1: with the minus one minus one counters oh snap i guess i did know that at one point but then that never came up in neon dynasty so i completely forgot right i I gave my opponent's whole team modified when they had several cards that cared about (laughs) modified it was not great you you do that with like them having you get in play and then all of a sudden it gets plus five Plus five or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. All right. So those are the best cards on the cube to be on the lookout for. And I think if we take a
0: look at then archetype linchpins, which again, just by, you know, being the backbones of some of the archetypes are, by extension, some of the best cards in the queue, but you have to do a little more work to
1: make them good. So first up, we have Junkwinder. This is five blue blue for a five six with affinity for tokens. So it costs one less to cast for each token you control. And it says, whenever a token enters the battlefield under your control, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. In the right deck, in the blue green tokens deck, or whatever, maybe you put this in a grixis deck and you're making blood tokens or treasure tokens in the right deck this card is unbeatable
0: yes completely agree there's also a couple of enchantress cards in citizen champion or sithis harvest hand where when an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control maybe you gain a life but you definitely draw a card and those cards are super easy to turn on, as
1: well as you know being great companions for all of the shrines that are in the cube. There's a couple ways to do the drain and gain thing. So there's Falconrath Noble, which is the four mana 2-2 two, two flyer in black. Whenever a creature dies, uh, your opponent loses a life, you gain a life. And then Sanguine Brushstroke, which is an alchemy card, which makes a blood artist and a blood token. And it like makes a blood artist, but it's not a token of blood artist. So like it, it dies, you can reanimate it or rebuy it with like a blood fountain or whatever. So it's just there for you. Uh, Brushstroke is a really good card card.
0: Yeah. And then as far as the blinking archetype goes, two of the best ways to do that repeatedly are Soul Herder, which is the one white-blue for the 1-1. One, one. At the beginning of your end step, you get to exile another creature and return to the battlefield. And when you do that, um, Soul Herder gets a plus-and-plus-one one, counter. There's also Teleportation Circle from Oof. Adventures in Forgotten Realms, the three-and-a-white enchantment uh, that you can exile an artifact or a creature at the beginning of your end step and then bring it back to the battlefield
1: for life gain decks we talked about which of the moors already there's also heliod sun Crowned, which is two in a white for the five five legendary enchantment creature god it's indestructible as long as your devotion to white is less than five it isn't a creature whenever you gain life you put a plus plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control and you can pay one and a white to have another target creature gain lifelink until end of turn i would put this under the category of like archfiend of ifnir or uh archon like yeah, you kind of have to do some work for this, but not really. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair for sure. Right, like it's just so good.
0: Yeah, card is very powerful. There's also speaking of all the tokens running around, two token doublers in Anointed Procession and Parallel Lives, which are enchantments that whenever tokens under the battlefield under your control, you get double that amount of tokens.
1: There's also Divine Visitation, which turns all of your creature tokens into four four angels. I was watching you yesterday. Your opponent had that <laughs> in play so and depressing. F- flashed in. You may you see a pair of goblins or whatever to make two one one goblins at instant speed. Nope, those are two four four angels at instant speed. Well, the worst part was that I knew it was
0: coming because I had cast Cataclysmic Gearhulk the turn before with them having several enchantments, and they chose to keep (laughs) the Divine Visitation, which does stone nothing unless you're about to make four four angels. So along with all that sacrifice stuff, we talked about a lot of the good sacrifice outlets or enablers. There's makeshift munitions as one of the best and cheapest sacrifice outlets. It's one in red for an enchantment, and you can pay one, sacrifice an artifact or a creature. And again, we've talked about the plethora of ways there are to make blood tokens tokens, treasure tokens, etc. cetera. Um, And then you can sac an artifact or creature to deal one damage to any target, including your opponent's face. There's Dragon Spark Reactor. There's Oni Cult Anvil from Neon Dynasty. And I think, honestly, the best payoff is Marionette
1: Master. For sure. So this is four black black for a one three with Fabricate three. So when it enters the battlefield, you can either choose to put three plus one plus one counters on it or make three one one servos. And it says whenever an artifact you control leaves the battlefield, you deal damage equal to Marionette Master's power to target opponent. So, you know, you. Put that. In, you can do a combo kill with this card. You know, you just put it into play, put the three counters on it, and then sack some treasures. Maybe sack two treasures, then sack a clue. That's twelve damage at your opponent.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. There's also a lot of sweet stuff on like the drawing two or spells side of things like Ironcrag Pyromancer, Lightning Bolt, something whenever you draw your second card. Young Pyromancer makes a 1-1 elemental token when you cast a spell. Double Vision lets yeah. you copy all of your spells that you cast. Poppet Stitcher is in the cube. The 2-3 that poops out decayed zombie tokens whenever you cast an instant or a sorcery spells. So there's so many sweet spells and drawing card payoffs as well.
1: All right. We're whatever, 40 minutes deep Into the episode. I can't believe we waited this long. We have to talk about the Grixis Cycling Discard Draw 2 deck. It's so good and it's so much fun. Yeah. I like just stumbled on this in my first draft. I drafted just a straight like blue black version of it. And that was okay, and then I drafted a Grixis version of it, and it felt busted. So, lots of additions to the cube this time around to make this archetype feel super supported. I think it does work best with all three colors, since you do need things from each of the three colors to really make it tick.
0: Yeah, and as far as payoffs go, we talked about Archfiend of Ifnir. Drakehaven is also in the cube, which is the tuna blue enchantment. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, you can pay one, and if you do, you make a 2-2 blue drake token with flying.
1: There's Ruthless Sniper as well. This is black for a 1-2. Whenever you cycle or discard, you can pay 1 to put a minus 1, minus 1 counter on a creature. This is a little bit more cute than good, though I will say I have like killing small things has mattered. Like a lot of the stuff we talked about is like important glue cards are small, cheap creatures. Life of Tashiro Umazawa has felt busted in that respect. It's just a really nice way to cleanly kill those. So Ruthless Sniper has felt like, like I said, more cute than good, but it's there as as a potential payoff.
0: And then along with all these things, if you are cycling cards, that easily turns on all the Throne of Eldraine draw two cards. So like Improbable Alliance that gives you a 1-1 flying token whenever you draw your second card card mad ratter makes two goblin tokens i think it is does it make rat tokens what does it mean i think i believe they're rat tokens yeah. i guess if it's a mad ratter that makes <laughs> sense that checks out <laughs> yeah. um but and then again those are making tokens so there's ways to care about those tokens so it just mm-hmm. uh, everything in the cube is so cyclical and feeds so many other themes
1: yeah there's containment construct as we talked about already the two one this is whenever you discard a card you can exile it if you do you can play at this turn so that works really well with you being able to cast stuff obviously if you're doing things other than just like there's not actually a lot of cards with pure cycling right that have an ability for you to discard them to draw a card but there's lots of ways to loot as we'll talk about in just a second and those play well with the construct
0: and similar along that theme you would expect madness to be here but there's not a ton of stuff with actual madness there's just the wind i think as Mm -hmm. the name of the card as the bounce spell and then edgar's awakening is three black black for a sorcery and you can return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield but if you discard it you can pay a black to return a creature from your graveyard to your hand so it's kind of like a pseudo madness card there that works well with a lot of these discard effects
1: um there's also thundering gin that's three blue red for a three four flyer when it attacks it deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards you've drawn so that cares about you drawing multiple cards or cycling you know discard draw etc and then dying to serve from uh crimson vow i believe though i found this to be a little fussy this is the two and a black enchantment uh whenever you discard a card for the first time you each turn you get to make a 2 2 tapped zombie. Just felt a little slow because what one of the things that you can run into with this is that there's a lot of setup for these right you want to get your drake haven down or you want to get your you know dying to serve down or whatever and you, you want to get your containment construct down but you don't want it to tussle in combat right you have to set up a lot of stuff you want to play your arch fiend but also have the ability to you know at least get one trigger from it so you are doing a lot of like turns where you're not maybe affecting the board in the best way to set up a really busted turn later and i think dying to serve is just a little slow
0: That is one of the knocks I think that is against the shrine deck as well, or that's keeping the shrine deck from being totally dominant is that you have to get so many do nothing pieces on the battlefield before you really start to get your engine churning.
1: So in terms of enablers for this deck, there are a ton. Two of the best ones I think are two planeswalkers that loot, Kaido Shizuki and the Royal Scions. Both of those have plus abilities, right? The Blue-black one lets you draw a card, then discard a card. Unless you attack with a creature, then it's just draw. So, you know, just choose not to attack or do it in your first main phase and you get that. Yeah, and again, that's something to wrap your head around is
0: that, first of all, I think Kaito Shizuki probably could just be on the list of best cards in the cube. Yeah. But... You would actually choose to draw and discard as opposed to just attack and draw a card. Like that's how synergistic these decks are, that you want to have the looting outlet rather than just drawing a card. Like drawing a card is better normally, but the cube is synergistic enough that you're going to want to loot. I think learn spells also. I know we've talked about having a learn lesson board. You can also just rummage off your learn, which is a free discard if you need a discard outlet as well. So another good thing to keep an eye out for in these decks.
1: We've talked about how good blood tokens are so far. Well, Blood tokens also let you discard cards to draw cards, which enable all of these other stuff as well. Even
0: something as simple as jumpstart triggers. Chemister's Insight is in the cube. That's three and a blue instant draw two cards. And then you can jumpstart it by discarding a card to draw another two cards.
1: What's so good about this is that it not only triggers your discard matter stuff, but it's a way for you to draw two on your opponent's turn. Ooh, so good. Uh, Obsessive Stitchers in the cube. This is one blue black for an O3. That's a looter. And then you can also pay two blue black Sacket to return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Rotting Regisaur is a three-mana, seven-six in black. The Beginning of your upkeep, you discard a card. Like, that's actually really... I don't think it's ever been so good in a cube as it is in this cube.
0: For sure. There's also Tomebound Lich, which is the one blue-black one-three. And whenever it ETBs or deals damage to an opponent, it's got Death Touch. Uh, You get a discard a card, draw a card.
1: And we talked about Bone Shards. That's the black removal spell. Uh, You can kill a creature. You have to also sack a creature or discard a card, which often just feels like upside with this deck.
0: I've also played Saltai versions of this where you don't get the
1: draw two payoffs or
0: maybe you could just go four full colors and, and include the draw two cards. But then there's probably a little too many things going on in the kitchen. But if you do the saltai version and include green, you really get a lot of self mill and then ways to rebuy and find your Archfiend of Ifnir after you've milled it with cards like Colossal Sky Turtle or Edgar's Awakening. And again, both of those are going to let you channel or specifically Edgar's Awakening be a good discard outlet. Then you also get to play Ramunap Excavator to let you play lands that you pitched to discard, potentially some spider spawning action as well. That's in the cube where you make a oh, one two yeah. spider token for each creature card in your graveyard. And then you've got both Binding the Titans and Mending of Dominaria to help you, again, once you mill your Archfiend, rebuy it and get it into play for sure.
1: Yes, please. Can (laughs) can I go play some cube now? (laughs)
0: I'm I'm really sad that we're talking about this deck selfishly because is
1: all I want to draft in the tinkerer's cube right now. It's really good. Well, it's got You'll at least get the next like few days, right? Maybe by the weekend, it'll be it'll be dried up. But you'll You'll get a few days out of it. Should we at least take a look at like a pack one pick one just to give folks a sense of how we're approaching this cube and what our thoughts are on, you know, some 15 random cards? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So pack one
0: pick one, you see the following cards as options. There's you find a cursed idol, one in a green for a sorcery, choose one, smash it, destroy target artifact, <laughs> lift the curse, destroy target enchantment, steal its eyes, create a treasure token and
1: venture into the dungeon. 10 out of 10 dramatic reading <laughs> on that card. Uh, you're pretty happy with this card, I think, right? Like, I mean, you're not pack one pick one it, but you're going to find targets for it and then maybe you're just okay to venture in the dungeon.
0: Yeah. I think you're always main decking that card if you're green and don't have another way to blow up artifacts or enchantments.
1: Yeah. Next up, we've got Rousing Reed. This is two and a blue for an aura. Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying. And when Rousing Reed enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard a card. Talk about intersection, right? So... This is an aura, and so it's going to trigger enchantment matter stuff if you're pairing this with white or with green. Uh, it's going to do that discard stuff that we talked about, so maybe the draw discard if you're putting this in a blue-black or a blue-red or a Grixis deck. Obviously, just giving something plus one, plus one, and flying is good. Um, maybe this discard's a disturb thing or a flashback spell. Like just does a lot. It's
0: modifying a creature. It can be searched up by Shrine Steward. So, man, I love those cubes so much. Next up, we've got Dragon Fodder, one in red for the sorcery. Create two one-one red Goblin creature tokens. Sweet spell here in that you get tokens, which certainly red ones and goblin tokens specifically. Maybe if you're on that mono red version, it's a sorcery. If you're in the red blue version that cares about casting spells, maybe you're copying this and getting four tokens. So again, just at the
1: intersection of a lot of things, spells, tokens, goblins does a lot of sweet things. Contentious plan is one in a blue for a sorcery. It has proliferate. So choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each another counter of each kind already there and draw a card. So it can't trips. Uh, not a card that you're interested in first picking by any stretch. And I think is a little bit more narrow but certainly has applications
0: next up is a sweet include restless blood seeker one on a black for a one three vampire at the beginning of your end step if you gain life this turn create a blood token sacrifice two blood tokens to transform it into a three three that has the ability to pay four and a black each opponent loses two life and you gain two life this is such an awesome example of a glue card and a new glue card at that where you've got repeated ways to make blood tokens it cares about gaining life and then also is going to give you discard outlets with the blood tokens. So you get paid off if you can assemble all of those payoffs together.
1: Totally. Uh, next up, we've got Ominous Roost. We alluded to this before. Tuna Blue for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield or whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, you make a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying, and this creature can block only creatures with flying. So I'd say this is like a build around for a specific archetype, for that sort of subset of blue-white, as we talked about. I wouldn't want to first pick it, but you know, if I had taken a couple gluey card Cards and then saw this like pick three pick four some glue cards that paired well with this that would be when i would go in on a deck like this
0: yeah that checks out for sure next up is illusionist stratagem three and a blue for an instant exile up to two target creatures you control then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control and draw a card this is an expensive clunky way to do it but if you're in the blink deck you're probably playing this card but there are Cheaper, better ways to do this, I think. So, this is more of a tier two way that you're hoping to pick up late if you're in that deck.
1: Speaking of clunky, I'm not a huge fan of this next card. Hydra's growth is two and a green for an aura. Enchanted creature, when it enters the battlefield, you put a plus one plus one counter on enchanted creature. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you double the number of plus one plus one counters on enchanted creature. So, yeah, it's an aura. So, it's got enchantment synergies. Yeah, it's doing modified things, plus one plus one counter things. But even with the amount of removal being like lacking in the cube, I still don't really want to be doing this.
0: The card's always going to have a soft spot in my heart. I sighted it in in GP New Jersey and it won me a game after correctly sideboarding it in. Oh, you love to see it. Felt great. Next up, we've got Circuit Mender. Three mana for the 2-3 Insect. When ETBs you gain two life and it leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. Just premium intersection card again. Gaining life. Leaving the battlefield, blinking, drawing you a second card, does a ton
1: of things that decks care about in the format. Also, it's an artifact, so it's got good types. I think this is another great glue card that's new to the cube. Next is Ancestral Blade, one on a white for an equipment. When it enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token, then attach Ancestral Blade to it. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and this has an equip cost of one. It's just great, like cares about tokens, nice and cheap. It's an artifact that matters. Equipment matters. Like, again, I don't think this is like tier one glue card, but this definitely has intersections. For sure.
0: Takanuma Abandoned Mire, along with this whole cycle, is in the cube. This is Legendary Land, taps, add for black. It's got channel three and a black. Discard this, mill three cards, and return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand. Cost one less to activate for each legendary creature you control, and again, not something you're first picking, but as soon as you care about the graveyard and potentially reanimating things, or care about discarding,
1: this is a land you're hoping to pick up fairly aggressively. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I think this is really good in the self mill deck. I think that's that'd be a card that I'd be happy to get. I think the card that has my eyes in this pack is up next. Restoration of Iganjo, two and a white for the saga. Chapter one: Search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Chapter two: You may discard a card when you do return target permanent card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped chapter three you exile it it comes back as architect of restoration a three four enchantment creature with vigilance whenever it attacks or blocks you make a one one colorless spirit creature token
0: it does so many things
1: yeah i mean it's just like i mean it's not quite as powerful as like kiki saga or yugen saga but It's up there for sure.
0: Yes. Next one is Nettlesis. This is three mana for an artifact equipment, living weapon, and it's got an equipped cost of two. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Card is rawly powerful and there are tons of artifacts and enchantments floating around
1: in general. And then just, the plethora of ways to make artifact tokens i think really push this over the top i agree and the last card in this pack is black blade reforged this is two mana for a legendary artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus1 one, plus1 one for each land you control uh, it has an equip cost of 7 but if you equip it to a legendary creature it only costs 3 i got absolutely destroyed <laughs> the other day by my opponent putting this on a cranko oh no yeah i was like oh i can deal with that or maybe i'll like put leave this back to block and then i was like oh no like that's that's. That's just going to overrun me so quickly. But you can't even be mad about that. No, of course. I'm just like, well, I mean, Kranko is a bit of an egregious card. Like that's probably close to raw power. Um, But yeah, when you combo that, you're just like, all right, well, what can you do?
0: Yeah. So your pack one, pick one, it sounds like is Restoration of Iganjo.
1: Yeah, I'd be on Restoration here. But I think again, like I think Nettlesist, Restoration, Circuit Mender, Restless Bloodseeker, any of those four I wouldn't be mad about.
0: Right, and then there's a lot of cards that you could wheel depending on mm. what happens in the rest of pack one that would be good includes in your deck
1: for sure. All right, now now am I allowed to go play cube?
0: Now you're allowed to go play cube. All right, sweet. If you haven't jumped into the Tinkerer's Cube in all seriousness, I think you should do it. I think you will learn a lot. You will probably lose a lot <laughs> in the beginning, but the cube entries aren't that expensive, and I think it's well worth the pain of you know trying to get over the hump to learn, especially a cube that's as sweet as this. And if you just like magic and you like drafting at some point, there's a barrier to entry to cube that you're going to have to get over. Like, I specifically, and I, th- I assume you can relate to this as well because we had the same magic life growing up, but I specifically remember being like end of high school, beginning of college, like drafting cube on magic online. And it would stink when I lost because like I would have to put money onto magic online, you know, and I would try really hard to two one to get another free cube draft or whatever. But I remember putting the $25 on my account at a time and trying to see how many cube drafts I could do before I had to put another $25 onto my magic online account as a kid, you know, but mm-hmm. Getting over that and putting a little bit of money and a little bit of pain of
1: losing in just gives you a fun format for the rest of your life to do. This is perhaps a bit of a a segue from this, but I'll tell this story anyway. So the other night we were hanging out with some friends and uh, my friend asked, he was like, oh, but you probably have to like buy packs or whatever. I was like, no, I don't because I'm I'm infinite on I'm playing like i just like win enough that i don't have to spend money on cards and my wife was like thank god and i was like (laughs) it hasn't always been like that and she was like yeah but i didn't know about it back then so it was okay um but yeah i definitely definitely dropped a lot of dollar bills uh, back in the day on Magic Online for sure, definitely chasing those uh, those two one cube looping dreams. But one, one last thing I'll say, I know we said we we're going to wrap up, but one last thing I want to say about Cube is especially if you're if you're new to Cube, if you're consuming a lot of content, you know, listening to our podcast, other podcasts, watching our streams, watching other streams, watching YouTube videos. Cube is not the same as a normal draft format. We're like you know in Neon Dynasty. By the end of the format, you show like you know, 20 good drafters, the same pack one, pick one, they're almost all going to tell you the same card, especially a format like Neon Dynasty, right? They're all going to peg, this is the busted uncommon, this is the busted rare, this is the strong common, whatever. In cube, as we just talked about, I was just like, here are four cards that I think are reasonable to take. And there's probably more that you could make arguments for. We talk about this every cube episode, but I think it's really important to, to, you can't overstate it enough Cube is really about just like drafting things with a plan and leaning into preferences and knowing where you're going and just making sure you understand that that's going to be different when you watch different streams or different drafters or whatever and fun too
0: i think for me at least i'm trying much less hard to win in cube i mean i want to win but i'm also going for glory a lot of the time
1: yeah i want to experiment right like all a lot of the stuff that when we do these episodes i'm like oh i haven't done that yet i want to try that like it's it's a lot about checking off boxes like before the cube is is gone in two weeks or whatever Than it is about like i want to get my win rate up obviously we're spikes we like to win I don't want to spend money on drafts on arena or whatever, but I really want to have fun and experiment.
0: Well, and I think uh, going again to getting into cube or whatever, one of the best ways to learn is to play, see what beats you, and then try to draft the deck that beats you. Like, if your opponent had a really yes, cool red-black yeah. sacrifice deck and you saw the cards that made your life miserable... Draft those cards and try to draft that deck and try to do what you saw your opponent do. Totally, 100% agree. All right. Thank you, as always, to
1: Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to channelfireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lord. Of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. So Heliod, Suncrowned, that's the two and a white. Oh my goodness, these cards have too much text on them. Two and a um, white, five,
0: five, indestructible. One and a white, give a creature life lifelink. And when a creature gains, when you gain
1: life, you put a plus, plus one counter on a creature. Yeah, uh, look, I've got the cube list up. I can find the card, okay? I was just showing off. Uh, I know. Like the <laughs> last time you read Witch of the Moors, you just lied about what it did. So. <laughs>